Ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, and dogs, welcome to Screen Share, a movie podcast about dogs. <laughs> wow. <laughs> ruff, ruff. You know, oh. <laughs> that's a rough start, actually. There it is, huh? Um, welcome to Screen Share, a movie podcast about uh, going and saving dogs from Trash Island. I guess that's maybe that's better. I don't know. My name's Adam <laughs> Cook. <laughs> Good. Good. Larry Miss. Call. My name is called Larry. There it is. Um, Sorry, you don't like that. You don't like it when I hide my identity. Well, it, it, I don't mind the bit that you don't say your name, but going it just isn't yeah. enough. What if this is someone's first episode listening and they just think you like had it? Then Problem. hopefully they watch some other movies besides Isle of Dogs. <laughs> Maybe we've got one big Isle of Dogs fan listening. And I don't want them to listen. So this is the first... Nope, it's not the first anything. This is the first stop motion. motion movie. First Wes Anderson, first stop motion uh, movie we've done. But uh, what I meant to say is this is the third episode of uh, my birthday month where I got all the pics... Mm-hmm. We've done Spirited Away. Last Apollo week we 13. did Apollo 13. And now we're doing Isle of Dogs, which is a Wes Anderson movie. I think it was the first Wes Anderson movie I ever saw. Okay. Which is a bit of a weird one to That's start kind of on. surprising. I feel like Grand Budapest was a lot of like... That was like the mainstream one that a lot that, of people That's saw. the second one that I saw. And I like that film a lot. So, <laughs> What do you think? Of Grand Budapest? Both. Grand Budapest I liked a lot. Um... I mean, he's got a weird. He's got a very distinct style, and I think mm-hmm. it's kind of fun. Um, and I really like Tony Revolori, who has a big role in Grand Budapest Hotel. So I enjoyed that a lot. And now he's Flash Gordon. <clears throat> Is he? Yeah, in the Spider Man. Oh, I didn't know that was Flash Gordon. I thought it was, it was just Flash something else. Oh, Thompson, maybe. Yeah, oh, I don't fucking know. Because Flash Gordon is like another superhero or something. Yeah. I don't know enough. Maybe get, I'm a liar. Get in I think our I'm comments, a liar. nerds. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so this is Isle of Dogs. I chose this film for my birthday month because I went and I saw this in theaters. It had a very limited release. And where'd you see especially it? Especially in Canada. I had to drive all the way to Mississauga to see it. But Whoa. I remember I was hanging out with a mutual friend of ours, uh, Jordan. Oh, I and know we. <laughs> he was like, "Hey, you want to go see a movie?" And I was like, "Yeah." Do you care what movie? And he was like, "No." So then I think I, that's happened like a handful of times with you and Jordan. <laughs> I think so. Like, didn't you go to see Blade Runner twenty forty? Yeah, nine. <laughs> yeah, and he hadn't seen the first Blade Runner, and we saw it, and we got out of the movie, and he was like, "What'd you think?" And I was like, "That was like really good." What'd you think? And he was like, "It was kind of slow, and I didn't really get what was going on." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah." I get that. And the same thing happened with Isle of Dogs, kind of, where we drove past, like, the closer theater that we would usually go to. And he was like, hey, like, are we not going to that theater? And I was like, oh, no, sorry. The movie we're seeing is, like, only playing at this theater. (laughs) And he was like, oh, okay. So we drove, like, an extra 25, 30 minutes. What made you want to see this, then? I think I just saw the trailer, and I was like, that looks fun. Hmm. 
I think Did I just, it live up to expectations? I like it. Is it one of your favorites? Like Favorite movies? Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's probably in my top like twenty five or thirty. Like that could be a good episode. We make our top twenty lists. Maybe top tens. I feel like each of us doing a top twenty. What if we did top fifties? Oh, that's good. One episode we go through mine, and then one which episode will be better. And then one episode we go through yours, which will have things like the Bionicles two movie. And... <laughs> Dude, choosing Bionicle two was a bad choice. Um, but uh, Coley head, you could have been lava bomb. See, that's Bionicle one. That's the actual good one. Oh, sorry, Mask of Light. You could have been Makuta Bones. Um, but, yeah, I like Isle of Dogs when I saw it. I was like, like like I said, I hadn't seen a Wes Anderson movie before, so it was just kind of like unlike anything I'd ever seen before, in a way. Um, you're like, I didn't know they could make things so symmetrical. Yeah. Well, everything just feels so, like, deliberate. Um, but also there's, like, kind of a whimsy to it i don't know yeah uh i liked it when i saw it the first time i've seen it a couple times since i have the blu-ray it's a pretty impressive movie when you think about like them having to make it i feel like that with every stop motion movie where i'm like yeah wow they really they really did this huh mm-hmm. there's a movie that i have for the animation month that's 100 p locked in that's like another uh which one Kubo and the Two Strings. Is that stop? Yeah, it's stop motion wow. as well. But like, that's one that's like, that's probably the best stop motion movie I've seen. I think. I, I haven't seen every stop motion. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Haven't seen it yet. Or Mad God. Have it, I have never heard of that one. Or Coraline. I haven't seen Coraline. I've seen like Wallace and Gromit. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, Princess actually, Bride? Is that stop motion? Princess Bride? No, Corpse Bride. Corpse Bride. <laughs> it's like Princess Bride is not stop motion. Well, I mean, there's a could be. <laughs> <laughs> wow, good argument. Good argument. Nightmare on uh, Christmas Alley. Nightmare on oh, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen that for sure. I but don't like, know. I just like don't remember the names of these like kids movies. Fucking you, the end of the bits back. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this was like. One of the first times that I saw, like, I heard of a movie that was, like, not, like, Star Wars, and I, like, made a point to go out and see it. Like, I was going to see it by myself. Yeah. And then Jordan was like, you want to see a movie? And I was like, oh, yeah, actually, I want to see this one. He was like, cool. But, like, that never really happened before. I only ever really saw movies if it was convenient to see it with friends. But with yeah. this one, I was like, I want to go see that. What was the first movie you saw alone? Because you've told me this a couple times. Uh, Shape of Water. Right. Guillermo del Toro. Mm-hmm. But like, I just remember, I remember I was like, all right, I'm going out to a movie. And my parents were like, oh, what movie you seeing? And I was like, Shape of Water. Because I know it's like got some Oscar buzz. So I want to go see it. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, who are you seeing it with? And I was like, no, I'm just going to see it. They were like, what? Do you want us to come with you? Mm-hmm. And they were like, they were like worried about me. And I'm like, no, I just. Are you uh, suicidal, Adam? <laughs> yeah, I was just like, no, I just want to see this movie alone. And it was kind of nice. Yeah. It, I like going to movies alone. I, it felt like kind of weird to do the first time because I was just like, I guess I'm just getting some snacks alone. Yeah. Oh, I guess I'm just. You feel like an absolute pervert when you go to the movies alone. Yeah. It's a little bit. It's like when you go to eat at a restaurant alone and you're like. Yeah. 
Like a sit-down restaurant. Yeah. I mean, even if I go to, like, Wendy's and get food by myself and sit by myself, I'm like, is everyone looking at me and being like, that guy's alone? (laughs) Going up to, like, a hostess and being like, table for one, and the look on their face. Yeah, they're just like, oh. They're like, okay. Sure. And then they sit you over in the corner. And then what do you do? You just go on your phone. And the truth is they usually put you at a table for two. Yeah, and they just just take away the little more sad. (laughs) They just take away the extra cutlery, and you're like, it just feels like they're being like, someone else could be here. (laughs) We need this for someone else who like actually has multiple people coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but going to the movies alone, I do actually kind of enjoy. It's just, it's rare that I want to see a movie bad enough to go alone. I used to go alone a lot in Waterloo. Okay, especially before COVID. Yeah. Um. You went pretty often when we lived together in Toronto. Yeah, I did. Sometimes you'd be like, want to come with? Yeah. I'd usually say, yeah. Yeah. But but some of the times I'd, just, I'd be going to see like a three hour long Japanese movie. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. he's not going to like this. <laughs> Why not? Is it? I mean, you like the subs on Spirited Away. So you mean the dub. Either or. <laughs> um, but I, I distinctly remember being in a completely empty theater for uh bad boys for life or something oh yeah bad boys for life yeah and also harley quinn oh like the the birds Birds of prey Prey? movie yeah and i was just all alone (laughs) in a movie theater for like 250 people yeah the the most empty theater i've been at was either olivia and my first date we saw live action lion king and And that was, was empty it was us i think it had been out for like two weeks at that point i mean still though it was it was us the thing made a billion and a half dollars yeah it was a little bit surprising we were a bit where'd you go to see it um it it was Was probably in waterloo Waterloo, yeah like at that galaxy theater yeah i think so like the one in the mall that one is not i think busy very often no and it was literally us and one other couple we went in there when there was no one sitting in there we sat in the middle and then the other couple sat like in the row behind us that's psychotic which is psychotic and then like everyone's seen the lion king already if you're watching lion king for the first time watching the live action lion king that's your own fault so like (laughs) there were just moments during the movie that olivia and i would like whisper to each other or like like did they have a problem they had a big problem like we were well i thought we were being pretty quiet it was just like once in a while we'd be like oh here comes the big fall i don't fucking yeah, like, remember whatever. the jokes we were making but like yeah. we were just like joking like when mufasa died we like laughed a little bit because mm-hmm. like it wasn't um, very emotional compared no. to the original movie yeah um, but like we got shushed by this couple and it's like then don't sit near us and also <laughs> Like, if the, they wouldn't have shushed us if it was a full theater. No. And, like, but, uh, like, we also, like, we were being just as quiet as if it was a full theater. You know, I don't anyway, know. it was That's just very strange. Those two, those two people probably should be in a mental institution. Yeah. Hillary and I also went to see Fifty Shades Darker. <laughs> nice. On Valentine's Day. That's the Day. second one, right? Third one. I thought Freed was the third one. Well, then we saw that one. We saw the third okay. one. Um,. <laughs> And we were alone in the theater on Valentine's Day. That's good. In Quebec, too. Wow. This is when I was in Quebec. Nice. So, like, it wasn't in French, but it was very strange. 
I missed out on a lot of movies. I know we haven't talked about Isle of Dogs for a minute. Yeah, no, I, list- I missed out on a lot of movies <laughs> when I was living in Quebec for that year because the theater yeah. was so far away. Yeah. And I also hated myself. <laughs> like, I didn't go to see Black Panther in theaters or like Thor Ragnarok yeah. or like all those because it was just like a 35 minute bus ride. And I'm not going to yeah, ride a worth, French bus alone. Is it worth alone? like almost an hour of transit for a yeah. two hour movie? Yeah. So I just ordered Domino's and watched John Wick. That's fair. I um, love dogs. Well, actually, I wanted to oh. add one more empty theater story. Okay. The only other time I had a very empty theater was also with Jordan, but also with a mutual friend, Victoria. Never heard of her. <clears throat> okay. Uh, <laughs> the three of us were just like, hey, let's go see a movie. And we looked at what was in the theaters, and it was just like nothing. It was just oh, one yeah. of those periods where there was nothing. So we saw Teen Titans go to the movies. Was it good? Like, the thing is, I thought it was like fun. Like, uh-huh. there were some good jokes in there. But, like, we just kept saying the whole time. Because, like, it was actually empty. It was just us three. Mm -hmm. Um, So we just sat in the middle. We, like, walked around, tried different seats to test the sound. Mm -hmm. We were, like, talking full volume the whole time. But, like, it was just very much, like, like, trying to keep your attention every second. Like, there was just so much happening always. Yeah, it was just, like... And then they had they had like a post credit scene where the actual Teen Titans came on, and it's like, like that. we're trying to come back or whatever. And then I was like, oh wow, maybe they'll do that. But I was like, judging by the fact that there's an empty theater for this movie, maybe that movie not. did pretty well. I think though, it I did think it okay. made like a hundred million dollars. Yeah, I think it did fine. Um, um, and I think they did do a Teen Titans Teen Titans Go crossover thing, but it was for like TV. Um, one anyway. more theater story. All right. <laughs> My dad took us to Buffalo for Christmas one year. The city. Yes. Okay. I didn't know whether Buffalo was just a movie. I didn't know. Oh, no. Um, he took me to see a Penguins, Pittsburgh Penguins, because I was a big Sidney Crosby boy. Sure. Versus Buffalo uh, Sabres. Sabres game. And then while that was happening, my stepmom and sisters... Went to go see Four Christmases mm. in theaters in a sketchy Buffalo theater. It was just them and like <laughs> two older people. Nice. There you go. There it is. There it is. Buffalo is kind of strange. Dude, town. those empty theater stories went down in quality with By each a lot. one. We, but they were like doing cartwheels and shit. That's what it reminded me where it's like you guys were like, we were walking around testing oh, yeah. the sound. Yeah. I just like that we started at you were in a theater for a movie by yourself, and then we ended in a story that neither of us were even present for. I mean, I saw I saw Sydney that night. That's true. You I did, did see, see him in the hotel lobby because I guess we were at the nicest hotel in nice. Buffalo, which is like a three star best Western. I'm gonna tell a story that I hope it's a little bit embarrassing for my mom, but my like, sister got lost or something on that trip. Oh, nice. That's good. Yeah. My mom saw Jerome Aginla in a like I love Jerome one time, but <laughs> she didn't really know who he was. <laughs> so like when she came home, she was like talking to us about it, and she was like, "There was a hockey player at the uh, like hotel I was at for work," and I was like, "Oh, cool, which player?" And she was like, "It was uh, uh, Jerome Aginla," <laughs> and I was like. <laughs> Jerema Goonla. <laughs> <laughs> we just, it's like that's literally the end of the bit. Just she mispronounced 
Jerome McGinley's name. I like Jerome McGinley. But like, I just thought that was funny. Anyway, we, we Isle of Dogs. Friends. Anyway, back to the Brian movie. Cranston. Well, <laughs> yeah, Brian Cranston. Let's just go through a, a, some quick things. Written and directed by Wes Anderson, as we said. Uh, a cast of Koyu Rankin. I hope I'm pronouncing most of these right. Uh, Kunichi Nomura. That's uh, Atari and Ma- Mayor Kobayashi are those two. And that I, one guy's I, angry. Yeah. And I think, well, I think Nomura, the guy who voice, voiced Kobayashi, he also co-wrote Isn't actually it. angry, man. Oh. Oh, no. Yeah, he's actually an angry guy. That's why they got him. <laughs> but it also has Brian Cranston, Edward Norton, Bob ba- Balaban, uh, Jeff Goldblum, Bill Murray, Greta Gerwig, Scarlett Johansson, Francis McDormand, F. Murray Abraham, Tilda Swinton, Ken Watanabe, Harvey K- K- Keitel. Keitel, and Ken... I said Ken Watanabe twice on my list. He, he deserves it. He deserves it. Um, but yeah, it's a big cast. Silly. Have you seen the cast for his new movie coming out, Asteroid City? <laughs> yes. Fucking hell, man. Dude, each of those people is being paid $2. <laughs> the background actors in that movie are going to be A-listers. Like, what the yeah, hell? Yeah, man. I mean, each of those people, is pro- aside from like one or two, are going to be in it for maybe one, one minute. I mean, that, that's what happens in this movie, too. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, at least in this movie, we've got like five or six, like, uh, main characters. Main characters. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I don't know. Frances McDormand's in it for a while. She's the translator person, yeah. right? Um, Tilda Swinton's like not in it all that much. She's yeah. the little dog. She just Abraham honestly, like, most of her lines are her going, huh? Yeah. <laughs> when she's watching F. Murray Abraham has like a handful of lines. Yeah. Like, I don't know. He does this a lot, especially with his newer movies where it's mm-hmm. like there's really famous people in it. Well, I think it's a lot of like, like a he's just seconds. he's got a bunch of actors that he's like, well, you got to be in my next one. Yeah. So he just gives them something. And like he's prolific enough of a director that actors want to be in his movies. So. And I think he just treats the actors pretty well. I've heard stories mm-hmm. where it's like they have dinners every night when they're on set and like they actually go to shoot in the places like uh, not with this obviously yeah. but like for the french dispatch they're like living in the town and like actually yeah spending time there and doing shit there um which is a lot better than like being in a fucking marvel movie where you're just in atlanta and in a trailer yeah yeah so yeah it's it's a big cast mm-hmm. and uh i I do feel like Wes Anderson is probably is like a bit of an actor's director. Yeah. But also he's like And he's got like a specific style. Yeah. And there's a chance that you could get nominated for an Oscar if you're in his movie. Yeah. And like even if you're not, it's gonna get acclaim most likely. Mm-hmm. This was nominated for Best Animated Feature. Mm-hmm. Did it um, win? Uh I don't think so. What did it lose to? Uh no. I can check it. It was also nominated for Best Original Score. Um I think it lost to Oh, man. I remember it being nominated and me being like, oh, that's going to win. And then another... I think it was Spider-Verse. It might have been Spider-Verse. It came out in the same year? Maybe. Let's see. I'll look it up. I just remember the one that beat it. Oh, it was 2019. was like... Yeah, that deserves to beat it. Um, So what do you think about the plot of this movie? So the first time that I saw the movie, I, I feel like I followed the general plot, which was... Mayor Kobayashi loves cats, hates dogs, 
exiles dogs because they get sick. They live on a trash island. His adopted nephew, Atari, lost his dog, so he goes to Trash Island to save his dog, meets another group of dogs, and then they have a bunch of adventures that eventually get them back to mainland Japan uh, and the fictional city of Megasaki, Mm -hmm. and basically they stand up to the uncle and prove that all of these diseases can be cured. Yes. Because he's like, Mayor Kobayashi's trying to like... uh, Get rid of all the dogs, the kill all the dogs. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did he... I can't really fully remember. Did he, like, create... He created the... Or him and his, like, board of directors or whatever created these diseases. I think so. Okay, that's what I thought. Um. So just to uh, go back. Yeah. Spider-Verse did win. Nice, yeah. But it was up against Incredibles 2 and Ralph Breaks the Internet and Isle of Dogs. Yeah, that's like a... That's a pretty great... An animated feature. This was year. such a great year for movies, and then fucking Green Book won the Oscar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've talked about that a little bit, but wow. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like 2019 was honestly kind of a good year for content. Like Mission in Impossible general. Fallout came out. Well, it was 2018 because it was the 2019 Oscars. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, sure. I messed that up. But Mission Impossible Fallout, Venom, Infinity War, Black Panther. Incredibles 2, Aquaman. Those are the highest grossing ones. Yeah, you're kind of losing me as far as like quality movies go. <laughs> but, um, Vice. Okay. What was the other ones? Wait, hold on. I fucked it up. I had a case here and then it fu- broke. <laughs> a Star is Born, The Favorite, Black Klansman. Okay. Wow. We've talked about this year a couple times. Yeah. But. I think it was just a good year for movies. And then the next year is even better. Yeah, 2019. And then the year after that, uh-oh. uh-oh. We have a disease on our hands. Bad boys for life. And it's not snout fever or dog flu. Um, but yeah, what do, what do you think of this uh, of this movie? I think it's really well made. Mm-hmm. I just... I've never... I guess aside from Grand Budapest... I never like kind of click into Wes Anderson movies, kind of like we were talking about with Spirited Away, where it's like it kind of takes you a minute to click in. Yeah. Well, it takes me a minute, and then I never do click in <laughs> for these movies. Yeah. Um, I feel like the script is a little too like cut back and forth. Like, mm-hmm. I there's a part of me that like feels like there's no. I I didn't connect to any of the characters really. Yeah. Um especially Chief. Like the, he just the main seemed dog, like a Brian Cranston yeah. dog. I think the plot's pretty like basic, but the mm-hmm. world is incredible and then it takes a lot of time to tell you about the world. Yeah. But it like you're 45 minutes in and then the plot kind of starts happening. But you've had 45 minutes of someone like explaining a dream they had about this incredible world and like this incredible story. Yeah. You're like, that sounds really cool. But then, like, the character emotionally, I just didn't like care about a lot of the characters, Mm -hmm. you know? I get you. Um, and it just felt like there was a lot of like cutback, flashback two weeks before. Yeah. There's a lot of that. It's, I feel like 
the plot is already kind of hard enough to follow just because it's Wes Andersonized. Mm-hmm. But then there's also a bunch of time jumps forward and back that yeah. kind of like make it even harder to follow. And I feel like there's a couple things we didn't need. Like this is a hard, I'm pretty sure this is two hours long, right? Yeah. I feel like we don't need the Greta Gerwig stuff. So I'll get into it a bit later, but like, yeah, the Greta Gerwig character. So, well, yeah, I say we like talk about like the movie in general and then we'll get into this. But like at the beginning, they have like a disclaimer that's like every character will speak in their native language. Yeah. Aside from subtitle or, or aside from translators and the dogs. dogs who are translated to English. Yeah. Um, which like it kind of makes it clear that it's made for a Western audience. Yeah. But then like that gets into kind of a bit of weird territory, uh, which is like what we'll get into later. But like, as far as how that affects like the story it kind of feels like you're there's only a few characters you're really meant to which is invest in which is the dogs and then Gerwig. and Greta Gerwig's character of Tracy uh, foreign exchange student Tracy Walker yeah um because she's a white girl with a huge blonde, white blonde afro. afro yeah it's a little strange yeah but um like all the character designs really cool yeah but yeah but like why don't we just get into this thing? Okay, like let's get into it. it. Okay. I just feel like starting off with like a big negative is a bit strange, but like I mean, so a lot there was a bit of backlash when this movie was coming out that it's like it's using Japanese culture in like kind of a not infantilizing way, but it's like it both like praises Japanese culture. Japanese culture while also kind of like focusing on some stereotypes. Yeah. It's like the the quote that I saw is that it's like it's equal parts appreciating the culture and appropriating the culture. Yeah. Where it's like the the Japanese characters talk in Japanese, but we don't get subtitles for them. So then it's hard to like connect to Atari, who's like the human that you're with most of the time. Yeah, and the only way that we really get to connect to Atari, like through like knowing what he's saying, is when he says very simplified Japanese so that it's easy for us to understand. Yeah. Or when he's got his little headset on and is talking to the dogs, because then we just hear the dogs replying. Yeah. But, like, then, just to... Because everything's got to come back to Star Wars for me. Then it kind of turns into, like, Atari's, like, the equivalent of R2-D2. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, we only really understand what he's talking based on, like... Other characters. his, His emotion saying what he's saying. Yeah. And through other characters talking to him. So then why not just have the subtitles? Yeah. Right? Just find an interesting way to put the subtitles in there. Because the thing is, they do have subtitles sometimes. So it's Mm -hmm. like, why not just do that all the time? Mm -hmm. And just kind of make it more consistent? Because it then feels weird when it's like, yeah, we're having all of our Japanese characters talk in Japanese. But all of the dogs are Western American. Yeah. And also... Like, we're going to tell a lot of the story through this, like, 
white savior character of Greta Gerwig's character. Also, the Japanese is translated sort of through the Frances McDormand character. Yeah. Which her is character kinda... is literally just to be like, we still got to follow this self-imposed rule, but yeah. this will make it easier for us. Mm-hmm. Which is just a little weird. Um, so I just felt like there was not enough character in the dogs for me. And then there was no real human that I could connect to. Like, I don't know. I feel like the whole Greta Gerwig plot could just not be in the movie. And then we'd be okay. Like, there'd be a more interesting way to figure it out. Like, because if Atari can talk. Yeah. Then we probably don't need the Greta Gerwig character. But since Atari can't talk, we kind of need that character to figure all this shit out. Yeah. And, like, I'm fine with the Greta Gerwig character being there. As like, oh, while Atari's trying to find his dog, there's also someone on, like, in Megasaki mm-hmm. who's, like, unraveling yeah. this conspiracy. It's just a little bit weird that she's, like... The hero. Yeah, she's, like, the hero of this student union thing. But, like, it's, like, like I did a bit of reading about the controversy, and it's mm-hmm. a lot of people being, like, there's kind of a stereotype about Japanese people that they're very, like uh like passive yeah uh so like it's a little bit weird for especially her like kind of introduction scene where everyone's like like everyone else in the student union's kind of like quiet and not saying or doing anything yeah and then she's like yelling and yeah shit. and she's like yelling and being like this is i'm very passionate about this and then they're like oh well okay if you say so mm-hmm. and like that's where the white savior thing comes in where it's basically her being like I'm a foreign exchange student. I don't li- I I don't I'm not from here, but I'm living here now and everything you're doing is weird. And yeah. here's how to fix it. And it's like that's a little strange. So like I don't think she's a bad character. I just think she's kind of like she could be way more interesting if she was just like Japanese. Like I think if yeah. she was just like another Japanese student. If you just like subtitled some Japanese dialogue yeah, it would literally be fine if it was just, like, not the one white character in the yeah. movie. Um, I don't know. I just, like, just didn't click for me. I was like, yeah. wow, this is really cool. They It's made really well. All the models and stuff are, like, incredible. Yeah. So, it's nothing about that. It's just, like, I, I find it hard to get into the scripts for a lot of Wes Anderson movies. Mm-hmm. Because, like... It's not like they're just visually quirky. The story's also kind of quirky. And, and like the, the the flow is very yeah. specific. And I think I just like... I've watched a couple since... Because Grand Budapest was my first one. I've watched mm-hmm. a couple since then. And like I started watching Steve Zizou. And I was like... Eh. I watched the French Dispatch in theaters. And I was kind of like... Eh. It just, like, doesn't really click for me. Yeah. So, and I'm going to go watch Asteroid City. Same. It's going to happen. Probably. And we'll see if I like that one. It looks really cool. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. I can't just go to a movie for, like, how it looks and still enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I got to, I gotta like, some characters. I got to like the plot. And I just, like, didn't well, I think find that, it this time. I think that's why there's, like, just enough there for me to like it. I think it's, like, visually incredible. Mm-hmm. I really like the music a lot. And, like, I do like the relationship between Atari and the group of dogs. 
And, like, truly, I really like Spots, like, Atari's actual dog. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the first time, like, when we do a little bit of a flashback and we find out that, like, he was basically abducted by the cannibal dogs. Yeah. Um, And they were like, we're actually just, we're not going to eat you. We're just helping you. We ate one dog because he was, like, dying Mm -hmm. and we were also dying like yeah that's a good scene yeah like that felt like a scene where it's like like i felt sympathetic for those dogs i felt sympathetic for spots spots meets like uh what was it peppermint who's like a dog one of the dogs that was experimented on in this facility Mm -hmm. so she's got like tubes coming out of her but like then we flash back forward he saves atari and the other dogs and then they get back and they find out that like spots is like I'm sorry, I can't be like, I can't serve you, Master Atari, because mm. I've got new responsibilities. And that's when Chief then becomes Atari's new servant dog. Yeah. But like, the whole spots thing I felt like was quite good. But I felt like we got a tiny bit at the beginning and then a little bit at the end. And that was basically it. Uh, I kind of wish we got a little more, but. Um, and I feel like there's not a ton of character building for anyone else. Also, aside from Chief. Yeah. But even then, it feels very thin. And I think it's just because there's a lot to cover. Yeah. With the Kobayashi. Like, there's four plots. There's the Kobayashi plot. There's the Greta Gerwig plot. Mm-hmm. There's the Atari plot. And there's the Dogs plot. Yeah. And, like, the Atari and, like, some of them cross over and, yeah. like, meld. But, like... When Atari goes with the dogs, he kind of takes over as, like, the driver of stuff. Mm-hmm. Chief has that one scene with Scarlett Johansson's dog. Nutmeg. Yeah. Who and is also it, Greta Gerwig's dog. Yeah. <laughs> Coincidentally. And then at the end, it kind of comes back around and maybe they're going to be in love. But, like, mm-hmm. there's the one scene and then an hour and a half later, there's some closure. And it's just, like, the movie's plot is very overstuffed. Yeah. And it... Like, it just does a bit of a disservice to the characters. Yeah, I feel like they kind of committed to having character development for Chief. Yeah. And then they were just like, the rest of the dogs just are those dogs. They are say they are. Like, Edward Norton, Jeff Goldblum, like, all of those dogs, they're just like, Bill Murray. They, They are the same at the end as they are at the beginning. Yeah. I guess the only development is that, like, there's kind of, like, a power imbalance between like in that dog between the group. four ones who had owners and chief yeah well yeah. kind of because they like chief was a stray mm-hmm. which we later find out he was actually the runt of the litter that spots was from uh, so he was like i guess cast away cast away and then, and then he also a has a biting problem yeah he has a biting problem um but like and we also see that he's very dirty. He's very dirty. He, at the beginning, he's a, a like jet black dog. Mm. At the end, he's like a white, white with dog spots. with little little speckles. Yeah, yeah. But um, like there's a power imbalance between Chief and the other four because like he's clearly the strong, like he's a stray, and he's clearly the strongest. And they and the vote most on aggressive. everything, and then the four vote together, basically, and then it's him. Yeah. So, like, clearly, Edward Norton's character of I think it was uh, there was Rex. But oh wait, I actually have the the Blu-ray right it's here. Down there. Um, 
I think those four dogs, I like some of their jokes and stuff. Yeah, like when their they talk chemistry about, like, is kind of fun. Have you heard the rumor? Yeah. I think that's funny. It's uh, Boss, Rex, Duke, and King. Um, But, like, Edward Norton, I think, is... Uh, he's one of them. Is Rex. But, like, he's clearly, like, the better leader mm-hmm. like than Chief is. Chief kind of just assumes the leader position because he's the most aggressive, I guess. But then slowly, more and more, Rex kind of becomes more of the leader until chief doesn't give a shit anymore because now he because he the whole time he's very resistant to atari Mm -hmm. he's like i don't care about this kid like i just want to find garbage on this island to eat but then like eventually atari kind of breaks him down and like plays fetch with him gives him a bath gives him a puppy snap snack gotta get those treats uh, and then eventually he's just like, wow, I've never like been loved this way. And he kind of just like, f- like went after the, because the, the, the other four dogs, when they're like on the conveyor belt, like, uh, what's that called? Gondola system thing. Like the tram or whatever. Yeah. Like the four dogs go into like an incinerator basically, mm-hmm. get covered in like poison and f- blown up and but shit. But the timing's bad. But the timing's bad because it's so old, so they somehow survive. But like when that happens, Chief's just kind of like, oh, they're all dead. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. But then like, and he's still like very gruff. Then yeah. he spends time with Atari. The other four dogs come back. They're very angry because they mm-hmm. just like went through hell and Chief is like, Oh yeah, you gave me a bath and played fetch with me and it was really nice. And they're like, You did that? And he's like, Yep. And he's just like completely he's just like completely, he's just completely a different guy, yeah. Yeah, and the, obviously that just makes them more angry. But uh I don't know. Yeah, I feel like Chief is kinda like the character that gets development. Yeah. Like I feel like Greta Gerwig's character is kind of the same at the end as she is at the beginning. Yeah, she just much. like succeeded in her role. Um, and then Atari. He's, I mean, he's the same the whole time. Yeah, he's the same the whole time. I guess he like gets becomes more determined and whatever. But like he it's at the start of the movie. He fly, he steals a plane and flies it to garbage island like that yeah and then at the end he builds a boat and takes it across the sea yeah and like makes his like distant uncle resign from his mayoral position as you do and then he assumes the mayoral seat which is like i guess is 13 year old i think yeah um yeah i don't know i just like the the plot didn't click for me yeah i get that um, what do you think about the like voice actors? Because I find I found Cranston a little distracting when I'd like listen to his voice. You know, I did feel like when he was like listing the names of the other dogs, he's like giving them a pet dog. He's like, "Your king, your duke, your rex, your boss," and he like said each of them in a different way. Yeah, And I was like, it's just like, I feel like the way that they must have been directed to voice act is just a little strange. Like, even Edward Norton, like, they all have very specific ways of talking, but it all feels very, like, um, like, condensed. 
I don't know. It if could that's just the right be because to... they're supposed to be like speaking in barks that are translated. Maybe. So maybe it's like keeping it tight. Yeah, but then like Edward Norton talks like, yeah, I don't know. This, this is kind of what I heard, you know. And like, yeah, and they just like they talk in different ways, but it all has the same kind of like energy where it's like. Like, my favorite moments from the dogs are, like, when they start to get emotional when talking to Atari, for example. Mm -hmm. It's like, that feels like, oh, I'm actually getting something else from these performances. Yeah. Because they're actually, like, lowering their voices and doing something with it. Mm -hmm. But for the rest of the time, they're all basically talking in the same way, kind of. Um, I, I don't think I found any of the voice acting distracting. Aside I, from Brian Cranston. I guess, but even then, it's like I didn't. I would kind of forget that it was Brian Cranston because I guess yeah. he just wouldn't talk for a while in the movie. Also, yeah. Um, but I did think that like the Greta Gerwig voice was very noticeable for some reason, and okay. I guess it's because she's playing like a white character that like you could dress her up like that in real life. So yeah, I was like, oh. and she kind of had room to like actually yeah do more. She was also it. a person. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I also found the Scarlett Johansson stuff a little like distracting, but then the dog also like kind of matches what I think she would look like as a dog <laughs> and like the yeah. stop motion animation so good that like the way that she's like, yeah, and this goes for all the dogs, but like yeah. I noticed it with her specifically, like the way she's like slightly moving her head, that dog. Yeah. I feel like that's how Scarlett Johansson moves her head when she talks. <laughs> if she was a dog. Yeah. I was so I was like, <laughs> this is like a really good version of Scarlett Johansson as a dog. Mm. Which is like I feel like the triumph of this movie is the fact that they fucking did it. Like they made the yeah. movie. Because the animation's incredible. I think you might have looked this up in well, your research, but I like did. the amount of models and the amount of like faces and there were all about twenty thousand faces and one thousand one hundred and five animatable puppets crafted by twelve sculptors working six days a week. There were also two thousand more puppets made for background characters. I have literally no idea how you pitch a stop motion animation movie and someone goes yeah, that's a good idea because it's so much work. That's the thing. It's one that's of the most unreasonable I... <laughs> ways to make a movie. That's why I love stop motion so much is because it's like such an insane amount of work and like time and but it looks so good a lot of the time. Uh, yeah, really good stop motion is incredible. But it's like, yeah, pitching it to a studio is like a little... Like, Guillermo del Toro probably was only able to make the stop-motion Pinocchio movie because he won Best Picture for well, yeah, Shape and of Water. Guillermo del and Toro. He's, well, that's what I mean. Yeah. But like... And Wes Anderson, the same for this. Yeah. And like, um, Kubo and the Two Strings, I'm pretty sure, uh, technically, he the director of that movie is a Nepo baby. So like his, his dad's studio just funded it. But like the Tim Burton ones too. That's Tim Burton. You know, yeah. it's like, you kind of need, you need to, a lot of juice to make a stop. Ocean <laughs> yeah. Stop you ocean. need a lot of like, trust me on this one yeah. or come on, do me a solid. Yeah. And like, that's the thing. Like generally I'm against like nepotism in <laughs> any field, but like when I heard that Kubo and the two strings, director was a nepo baby i was kind of like 
Yeah, but like it it the resulted in some great art, you know? Yeah. It's like if like if that kind of a thing wouldn't be made otherwise, then like I'm <laughs> I'm okay with that. Um, Who is this guy? Kubo and the two strings. Don't look into it too much. Spoilers, man. Oh, why are we gonna do it? I was just trying to yeah, figure I'm out who this man was. Do that one. Phil Knight. Oh, he's the son of the fucking Nike guy. Yeah. Oh, wow. So it's like Nike's got money to spare. Well, he's not <laughs> getting paid from Nike for it. I know, but I mean, like the studio's being funded by his dad. Did he do fucking Bumblebee? The movie? I think he might have done Bumblebee. He was also a rapper. Dude, you're you're wasting content for the Kubo episode in this episode. This what is all great fuck? content, what man. What the fuck? This guy's a fucking Dude, close freak. the tab and forget what you saw. Guy... We got to po- save the Oh. <laughs> he just he just got reset. Oh no, he's a, he's he reset fully. Pooped in my diaper. Dude, you did not say pooped in my diaper. Pooped in my when you were diaper. Just born. Um, <laughs> that was my first words. Your first word. Your first word was pooped. No, my first words were, "Mom, I took a shit." Okay. Because my dad always says that. Wait, you learned that because your dad? Yeah, he just loves talking that. like that. <laughs> nice. But uh, yeah. So like, obviously, the effort put into this movie is absolutely insane. Um, and I think it pays off because it looks great. Um, and I do like the story. I do, but I do agree with you that like the pacing and structure of the movie kind of like limits it a little bit. Like and I'm, the fact that the Japanese isn't subtitled also yeah. just like well, that's the thing we're talking about the voice actors. We're not even mentioning the Japanese characters because it feels like they're just kind of like well, like we're not supposed to even be listening yeah. to them because like like in they're either translated through like Francis McDormand or someone like that. Or they're yeah. just like nothing. Yeah. Because like I associate Kobayashi more with Francis McDormand's character telling you what Kobayashi's saying yeah. than actually the character and the voice actor of Kobayashi. Exactly. It's a li- it's just a little bit strange. It, it, it's just weird for them to like set up this rule for the movie at the beginning mm-hmm. and then play by it the whole time but also throw in like things to make it easier and it's like just don't have that rule yeah like i get that it's like it adds something to the world building and like, yeah it adds a little something but also like i don't know i would just rather know what they're saying yeah you know like the only times we really understand atari is when he like says like sito when he's mm-hmm. trying to get them to sit it's like well, yeah, I understand that. But or like you, even then, the dogs then go, oh, well, I understand that. He's trying to tell us to sit. Yeah. It's like, you don't have to tell us that. Like, I don't know. It's just very... It does feel like the they're using the Japanese set piece and the Japanese culture and backdrop, mm-hmm. but they're not really like... They're shying away the, from the Japanese. Yeah, they're shying it. away from the Japanese characters Yeah, um, quite a bit. And I think it... That is probably, I do genuinely think the biggest negative is like the focus on like, and I know it was made for a Western audience, but like the focus on Western characters. Well, no, it's not even that. It's the erasure of the Japanese stuff. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like 
because it can you can focus obviously if you're making a movie for like western people you're a white dude you're gonna make the characters famous actors in hollywood because you have to sell the movie to people in hollywood and like sell the movie to people in america and that also plays internationally but also like but the fact that he just like decided no we don't need to understand what the japanese characters are saying yeah that's like useless and it's also kind of like what is the japanese dub of this movie like it does it just make absolutely no sense because we hear japanese and then we hear someone in japanese translate the japanese it's like it's just like very strange where it's like i feel like he was like all right, I want to do a movie in Japan. It's probably just subbed. all in Japanese, but I don't want to do subtitles and I don't want to do a dub. And then it's just like, so you, like, it It probably felt like such a good idea to be like, oh, all the characters are going to speak their native language. So it's like everything's being translated for you. Mm-hmm. Um, or sorry, nothing's being translated. Well, they kind of do this in West Side Story, the one that we watched. Yeah. Where it's like Rachel Ziegler and her family are speaking Spanish and it's not subtitled, but it's clear enough that you can kind of pick up on it. Yeah. And Whereas like, like there's full paragraphs and like lines of dialogue that you just, unless you know Japanese, you kind of can't understand because also the language is so much different from English. Yeah. Like Spanish, you can kind of be like, you, you kind of pick it up because they're sort of speaking. Yeah. It's like a a bit of an analog to English. People in America and Canada are kind of exposed to Spanish more. Yeah. And like, there's a bunch of words that are like, sound like English. Like yeah. they're, they're played off the same language. Japanese is not like that. So you can't kind of like pick up Japanese and unless you've like studied Japanese. Well, you can't and, just kind of like pick it up. And in West Side Story, they were able to be like, we are like immigrants living in the u.s mm-hmm. so we have incentive to want to speak english yeah so like they'd be able to say some spanish but then have a character be like you gotta practice your english yeah. talk in english and then they'd say some in english go back to spanish and then like it kind of worked there for them to kind of use both in a yeah. way but here it kind of just feels like like the the japanese characters are kind of just there and it's like just wait for one of the Western characters to explain what's mm-hmm. going on. And it's like, I'd rather just know what they're saying. Like, you also, watched the entirety of Spirited Away with subtitles. You were able to get the emotion from oh, of course, the voice yeah. acting and the context from the subtitles. That's how, That's how subtitles work. foreign film works. <laughs> but, like, with this, it feels like I'm getting the emotion with none of the context from the Japanese characters. Yeah. But then, like getting the context from a western character after and it's like why why do i need this character to explain to me what this other character's saying yeah. i feel like i should just know what that it just seems like a saying. stupid rule for him to set up but yeah we're being negative again looks great yeah really well made do you have anything else before i ask you some questions i do uh sure i i do feel like the um like the voice acting is good yeah um like I, I feel like Brian Cranston does a good job. I feel like when he switches over from like, uh, like, I guess just garbage island chief to Megasaki chief, basically, like there is like kind of a noticeable difference in his delivery because he's changed. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I did briefly think Spots was also voiced by Brian Cranston. But it's someone else, right? It's like Liev Schreiber or something. Liev Schreiber, I think, is... Or maybe it is Liev Schreiber. I think it might be. I don't know. It's it's someone else, though. I have the whole list of uh, actors here. Well, it seems like you aren't using it. But, um... I, I, I don't know. I just really liked Brian Cranston in it. The other four dogs are just fine. Like you said, I think that they're funny once in a while. Every time Jeff Goldblum's dog talked, I was just like, that's Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> um, yeah, it's Leif Schreiber. Leif Schreiber? Okay. Because um, I also thought Spots was good. We're getting a little incoming here. Incoming! She texted me, told me she bought a, a vinyl and was coming to drop it off. Play it, play it, play it. Is it Ed Sheeran? No. Ah, shit. Bye. It's Black Country New Road. It better be minus. Uh, the, the album? The Ed Sheeran uh, album. Okay. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I really like the movie a lot. I feel like it's, it's a movie I like to just kind of put on because it's very aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, it's very aesthetically pleasing. I feel like I'm kind of transported there a little bit, even if like. The structure of the story is a little bit strange. I still like the story itself. You could take almost any frame from this movie and like put it in a picture frame. Yeah, Gen- dude. Genuinely, one of one of the shots from this movie was my LinkedIn banner photo for a while. Did that get you any jobs? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I honestly feel like this movie might be similar. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but similar to our movie for next week. Alita, Alita Battle Angel, where it's like, there's so much about the movie that I I really like. It has some like very glaring, obvious weaknesses. Yeah, but like there's enough there that I'm like, that was a very enjoyable time. Now I would say that I like this movie more than Alita, at least I think so. We'll, we'll see next see. week. Um, but like, I don't know. I just I just get a like really fun feeling from this movie just the way of storytelling like seeing spots in his cage on garbage island all alone perfectly centered in the frame but like very small Mm -hmm. and like then it starts raining it's just like everything feels very picturesque and i like the way they do the fights where it's just like a big cloud (laughs) yeah it's just a big cloud and once in a while you see like a paw or something and then it does like a zoom in dude there's so many moments in this movie where (laughs) like i'll be watching it and then i'll be like Dude, that was all pictures. <laughs> like, they took pictures of little models they moved around for that whole bit. Yeah, that's psychotic. Like, there was one shot, I think it's when the dogs are watching Atari fly his plane, mm-hmm. and then Where the wing goes clips like, off. Wee- yeah. And then it, like, falls down. Yeah. yeah. But then there's, like, an explosion, and the explosion is, like, clearly, like, dyed wool or whatever. But, like, then it, like... Pulls the frame back so that you see the dogs in the foreground now. So the the explosion cloud shrinks. But like, because it's not actually as far away as it's supposed to seem, they had to make the explosion smaller as they pulled back. So like, it's mm-hmm. so slightly noticeable that they shrink it and it, they use less wool as it zooms back. But then they also, like, put it out of focus so that you can see one of the dogs, like, turn around and be like, whoa, or whatever the fuck he says. But it's like, that's one of the shots where I was like, dude, they had to figure out how to do, like, 
a pullback depth of field change like whole thing in a tiny like like, five foot area the amount of like little cutaways there are to like just an a family in their kitchen watching the tv yeah or like something like that it's like that's like a second a second and a half in the movie yeah it took weeks maybe a month to build that whole thing yeah and it's it's just to make the world feel more real and lived in yeah which i think is part of what makes the movie good is like the world um and i can't believe we haven't mentioned this yet to me the best scene in the whole movie is the sushi making scene yeah um when they're making the sushi that then they put the little wasabi poison on to mm-hmm. kill the yeah that's incredible head like it's like bow you ever you watch bow yeah yeah it's like that where you're just like and oh in, this is the best way to shoot making food yeah and in turning red also when oh we yeah reviewed it there's like him making the food where it's like man i mean it's also a thing in anime as well where it's like animated food just looks so good but we like talk about the food and spirit in a way yeah yeah but, like, the way they're just, like, biting a full chicken and, like, ripping it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, like, disgusting. Yeah. But, like, there's something, like, even more nuts about uh, stop-motion food. Because yeah. it, like, feels much more tangible. It, I get, like, the same kind of feeling. I never was one of the people that wanted to eat a Tide Pod. But, like... <laughs> That same mentality where you're like, that looks like a little snack. Like, that's how I feel watching the stop motion sushi scene where I'm like... That's how I feel about that little ceramic behind you. This guy? Yeah. Yeah. Cute little guy. Yeah. Little pee in a pod. Thanks. I'm I'm glad that you said it's like a little pee in a pod because it was supposed to be an octopus. But I was like, I don't want to make an octopus. I want to make like a little golden ball sitting on like a little red velvet... Yeah. Oh, I didn't even pick up that that could be an octopus. Really? Yeah. That makes me so happy because everyone was like, what a cute octopus. And I'm like, it's it's not an octopus, mother. But um, yeah, the sushi scene's just nuts. I also just really like the head. That's fine. I really like the the head uh, scientist guy who's like desperately... Is that, is that the Ken Watanabe character? I think so. Because his name is Dr. Watanabe. Yeah. Oh, and also... His assistant is uh, Yoko Ono-san, yeah, voice acted by Yoko Ono. <laughs> and she's got a little Y and an O in her hair. Yeah, I was like, why do they keep calling this character Yoko Ono? And it's then Yoko I, I was ono. like, oh, because it's Yoko Ono. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I just really liked the scientist's aspect of it. Like, Because yeah. that's another scene that's like really impressive that they did stop motion is when they're like, Testing, testing all of the oh, vaccines because there's like huge like light flashes there's like yeah. things fucking spinning and moving around and i'm like how are there's they- liquid moving through the pipes and you're like how the fuck does you do that <laughs> yeah there's like so many moments where i'm like i have no idea how this happened like even the like light flash instinctively i was like oh and then they added a light flash in post and then mm. i was like wait no yeah they had to like get the lighting brightness right per frame so that it looks like a perfect light flash and it was just like it's incredible and then they do a whole other thing where you're like wait they already did dog flu and snout fever and whatever the third thing was what's this fourth test and then it's just them making a little drink so that they can Mm -hmm. celebrate making the vaccine i thought 
the drink was going to make them kill themselves or something. <laughs> yeah, like, we did it. Yeah. <laughs> and then he dies later. Well, Spoilers. that's the thing. I The sushi scene leading up to the poison was like, I felt so tense. And the fact that he left that one last gets a little on his finger. And, and then, then he just licks him. it a tiny bit. It's like, man, he shouldn't have licked it. Don't lick that. Never lick that. Can I ask you a couple questions? Absolutely. What's your dog name? Scruffers. Mm. Scruffers? What kind of dog are you? First I don't know. Of all? What kind of dog am I? Something like red. I honestly think I'm probably like... I'm probably... A, it's a basic pick, but I'm probably like a lab or a golden retriever. Yeah, but you're not like nice. I'm probably like a pit bull. Yeah. Because I'm like... In a way, I'm like Mr. 305, Mr. Worldwide. You're kind of like a pit bull because like they're, they're like very sweet, but they also have the capacity to like kill, to bite someone's and leg. And everyone knows they have hard bones. Yeah. Because <laughs> apparently I have hard bones. Yeah, you have hard says. bones. Fucking freak. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm missing a type of dog. Maybe like a Shiba Inu or something. Oh, I guess. That's a little that, bit that me. That could work. Thanks. Um, and I assume your dog name will be like, Toilet Dog, Toilet Boy. I feel like my dog name would be like one of the, it would just be like an old man name. Like Greg. <laughs> I wasn't thinking Greg. I was thinking like Christopher. Mortimer or some shit. Mordecai. Mordecai? Mortdecai. <gasps> we'll do that next Morty. month. Mort. We'll Mort. do that next month. Mort the Shiba Inu. You're a Shiba Shiba Shimu. I'm a Shibashimu. Yeah, my dog name's probably like S- S- Stockton. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, isn't it crazy that Japan is actually like that? <laughs> <laughs> like, this is exactly what Japan's like. Yeah. They don't have cars. They use wires to get around. Oh, I feel like that was more like a transporting materials thing. They use wires to get around. Okay, sure. <laughs> Who gives the best performance? Hmm. I feel like it's kind of hard to say. It is hard to say. My gut is... uh, Honestly, maybe leave Schreiber with spots. I like Greta Gerwig's performance. Yeah, I think she does a good job, yeah. I just feel like Kobayashi's really good as well, except Mm -hmm. I just like... I don't know. There's the thing with the subtitles. Yeah, yeah. But, like, that character is very convincing and very, like, scary, kind of. Yeah. Um, so, I think it could be the whoever did Kobayashi. Yeah. I, I think for me it's probably Leave Schreiber because I think Spots was uh, uh, participated in the most, like, emotional scenes. Like, there's a scene when... Because I guess we haven't mentioned this part of the plot, but, like, Atari's parents died in a train accident... Um, that he was also on, but he survived. He just lost a kidney. Mm-hmm. Um, that was then, a great scene too. The fucking surgery scene. Oh yeah, that was nuts. Oh too. my god! And also Kobayashi's Kenichi Nomura. Yeah, he. Well, he's the one who. Part. I don't know if he was a co-writer or whether he was just like, because he's Something. like friends with Wes Anderson. So it was like kind of both of their ideas to I, make I can this movie. figure that out. Um, but like, uh. Yeah, when uh, because Atari loses one kidney in the train accident that kills his parents, and then he gets spots as like his protector dog, 
and they're like not allowed to be friends because it's not his pet it's his protector but because they have this little like uh voice link where they can understand each other there's like a bit where like atari talks very quietly into Mm -hmm. it to talk to spots and we don't know what he's saying but and i kind of wish we did but yeah. like then Spots talks and he's like, I can hear you, Atari. I, yeah, I can hear you, Master Atari. And they're like both tearing up. And like there's something very sweet about that. Because like this movie is ultimate, like the the large story of this movie is like about corruption and conspiracy and like Kobayashi, like there's assassinations, there's yeah. like and like news cover-ups and and like yeah there's a lot of that but at the core of it it's about a boy and his dog yeah and i feel like that kind of contrast is part of what makes me like it because it's like oh there's this big grand conspiracy but at the heart it's just about this bond um and like oh man did i write down what his uh i think i did because he has a um like haiku mm-hmm. when he like gives the speech at the end atari does and his haiku is whatever happened to man's best friend falling spring blossom and like <laughs> then and like that visual is crazy because he's got like a bunch of shit happening behind him like it's a stage play when he gives yeah. the haiku it's very cool um and uh-huh. But then it's kind of weird because then the translator who's been translating the whole time, like his whole speech, when he says the haiku, uh, she, Francis McDormand's translator character just says something like, he just said a haiku. Uh, like, if you I'll can't tell, tell you what it, it is later. Yeah, I'll something. tell you what it is later. And it's just like, I don't know, it's just like a bit of a weird... Yeah, it it felt like a weird punctuation to the like kind of beautiful thing that was just said. Yeah, because we do get subtitles for that because they did it in the format of the haiku being told, mm-hmm. which they did kind of at the beginning as well. But anyway, sorry, this was all a long-winded way to say I think Leif Schreiber's my favorite performance, uh, and then maybe I think Atari as well. I think yeah. Atari does a good job throughout it. Let me just check who plays Atari so we can see. I have the name, name here. It was Koyu Rankin. So sick. So yeah, I'm gonna go um, with those. What's my other next question? You should know it. Yep. Um, who fits naturally as a dog voice? Um honestly, maybe Bill Murray. Yeah, I feel like that makes Bill, sense. Bill Murray's got a bit of a dog voice. I felt like um F. Murray Abraham as Jupiter. Oh, he was also very... He kind of fit he well. He made, made sense as like a St. Bernard or whatever he is. Yeah, where and like, as like, not a fortune teller, because that's Tilda Swin's character, but as like, the wise man yeah. dog. So, I thought I love that two. he gives him a little drink there, too. Yeah. Um, do you like any other Wes Anderson movies? I like Grand Budapest I like a Grand lot. Budapest, yeah. Um, how many other ones have you seen? Honestly, it might just be those two, but I do really like Grand Budapest. Zizu, Rushmore, Bottle Rocket, Moonrise Kingdom? No. That one's pretty good. I like that one. Um, Dispatch. What else is there? Fantastic Mr. Fox. Have you seen that one? No. Oh, wow. I feel like that's, that's like another. That was like tough because every, like in almost everything I read about Isle of Dogs, it was like. 
You got to listen to, or this is, you got to watch Fantastic Mr. Fox. <laughs> I was like, well. I think that's probably the one that makes him so he's able to make this movie. Yeah. Because let me look at this movie made $64 million. I don't know what the budget is. It's not saying the budget, but it made $64 million at the box office, which is like fine, I guess, but seems not great for a movie that you'd assume is very expensive. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Mr. Fox didn't make much more money. It made $46 million on a $40 million budget. Yeah. So I assume that I feel Isle like of Dogs a lot of costs these... a little more. Yeah. I feel like these kinds of movies are often to please the director where it's like, we'll let you make this movie if you also make this movie for us. But he doesn't even do that though. I don't know how he gets to keep, like this isn't me saying I don't think he should make any more movies, but I don't know how he's managed to keep making movies when like a lot of his movies don't do incredible. Like French Dispatch, $25 million budget, $46 million box office. Yeah. And now that came out during COVID. Grand Budapest I think was like his big, big one. 25 million, 173 million. Whoa. So that's huge. Um, and then we like, but Dude, look it's at. It's kind of nuts that Grand Budapest's budget was only 25 million. Or whatever you said. Well, I guess he makes movies for pretty cheap, right? Yeah. Um, Moonrise. Oh, 68 on 16 million. All right. 35 on 17 that's for Darjeeling. That's probably the limited. pitch then, is that. Like, I don't make movies for super pricey, like or, like my movies aren't super pricey. Yeah, usually they get like critical praise, like, and there's a chance it makes like double or triple its budget. Yeah, so that's I guess that makes sense then. And I just feel like having a Wes Anderson movie on your like roster is probably not an unattractive thing to studios. So yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, wow. I guess he just, like, does pretty well. Yeah. Like, his movies aren't, like, box office smashes except for Grand Budapest, but... Yeah. Well, even that was, like, a light smash. Well, that's a big smash for, like, a $25 million movie. That's, like, so. John Wick 1. Oh, yeah. Where it's, like... He didn't make, like, a billion, but... <coughs> if it makes but over... did you say it only made, like, $116 million? It, $175, but it cost $25 million. That's still pretty good, I guess. So you're making, like, uh, seven That's probably closer to, like... Back. Uh, a quiet place kind of deal. Although yeah. that was like, that, except that one like scaled down a bit because that movie was like sixteen million dollar budget and then quiet made like place? yeah, I forget how much that was, but I just remember that being like a pretty big profit uh, margin there. Let's see on a quiet place seventeen million three hundred and forty one. Ooh, yeah, there you go. Wow, big, big. Um. Would you go into Isle of Dogs VR world? Did you see this on the Wikipedia that they made I, a VR? I did see that, experience? and I tried to look into it, and I couldn't really find much about it. It seems like something where they pitched it as like this is another revenue stream for the movie, and then it was just like not. Yeah, which is fine. Like they have that VR Batman game, which I'm sure like a hundred thousand people have played, or yeah. maybe a million people have played, but like. I no feel like VR is not it. quite there yet, especially in 2018. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, I remember talking about VR in like 2015. Like, is when I feel mm. like things people started talk. Maybe even before then. Yeah. But like, I expected by this point that it would be a little bit more like 
normalized or like common. common. Like I was saying to Olivia the other day, I remember writing a paper in the ninth grade about the uh, like 360 treadmill oh, yeah. thing. How that's going to be the future of video games. Yeah. It's like you put the VR headset on, you've got the like motion controllers in your hand and you can actually run on the spot and you run in game. Yeah. And this is going to be the future of gaming. Not even close. Why would you think that? Well, but like, like VR, I, I get being a thing, but like, like a week ago, I went to Walmart and saw the new PSVR two. It's like eight hundred and ninety dollars. It's like I'm <laughs> yeah. not getting that. <laughs> and there's also a thing with VR where it's like I don't think people like being that closed off from the world. Yeah, like, I, th- I think some people find it a little scary. Well, because like the thing is, you'd imagine like with all the AR tech and like the VR stuff, it's like, well, no one thought we'd have phones in our pockets, but now we do. It's like, yeah, but with a cell phone, you can kind of like take it off and, or like ignore it or whatever. Yeah. With VR, you've got to shut your entire world down and shut it in VR. Like, I feel like genuinely to an extent VR kind of removes object permanence a little bit. Like, you see all those videos of people putting on a VR headset and forgetting that they're in front of a TV and And then then they smash it. it. Yeah. But, like, I remember the the game VR Chat. It still is pretty popular. But, like, there was a period where it was, like, really popular, Mm. especially with, like, streamers and stuff. Yeah. But, like, there were some streamers who were being, like, yeah, sometimes I, like, have to check in with myself that I'm not in VR Chat. Or, like, people... Because, like, you would, like, lift up your arm in a certain way in-game, and it would, like, show you your Twitch chat in-game, so you could, like, interact with chat while being in VR. Mm -hmm. So, like, there were people who were saying that they would, like, do that arm motion to check chat while they were making a fucking sandwich. And it's just, like... That's just, like... so. Because I have that with games sometimes where, like, I played the new Star Wars game like non-stop for like a few days but then like i'd be going to sleep and like i'd be waking up being like i gotta go kill that boss Mm. or like i gotta upgrade my lightsaber or Mm -hmm. whatever and like i had that with spider-man i had that with like i once in a while i have that with games or just anything that takes up a lot of my time and energy it happened when i watched spirited away for the first time where Mm. i was just like constantly thinking about it but like with vr you are in it Mm -hmm. so like when you have those moments where you think about it 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 feels uh, like it's literally your life yeah so i wouldn't be surprised if they pitched it as like a we want to transport people into the movie so they can like it's going to be insane and the studio being like if it'll make us money and then them being like no it's not actually gonna make you any money really and it also like even with the ar stuff like smartphones really fucked up kind of everything yeah because now you kind of feel like you have to be doing something all the time yeah because like there's this idea that like you can be productive all the time so you should be productive all the time it's like once that's it's not like you can get away from it from like taking your phone out of your pocket or just leaving your phone in your pocket or whatever where it's like now it's in your contacts, it's in your glasses. Like yeah. you, while you're walking down the street, you can look at shit and like work on shit. Dude, like, it's, I feel like I would hate that. Yeah. Like I, it's already at the point now where, like you said, 
if I'm not doing anything, I feel like I should be. So sometimes I instinctively pull out my phone because it's like, at least I'm doing something. Yeah. But being on my phone is preventing me from doing anything actually productive. Yeah. So it's like, man, I, I just, I hate, I, I, I hate all the technology that we have now that we've have no decision in whether we need to use it or not. Yeah. Or want to use it. Dude, I saw a clip from, uh, it's always sunny. It's the one where, like, they're talking about how Charlie is, like, insane and, mm-hmm. like, he needs to stop. And he's like, yeah, yeah, we got to f- we gotta get get this guy out of here or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And the caption was just, like, no AI, like, chat GPT could write this. And it was just, like, it just, I was, like, I that's the thing. All these people being, like, why are the writers striking? Like, chat GPT could write these remakes because all they're doing is making remakes. Yeah. It's like, no, you don't get it. It's like, technology can't do everything. Yeah. And, like, we shouldn't want it to. Like, I don't want to watch a chat GPT Star Wars movie. <laughs> like, well, it's I- also, like, the thing that <laughs> is easy for a computer decide to decide is what movie to green light kind of because it's like what should we make this original movie or like a little mermaid or live action remake yeah and the computer's like well i read this original movie there's no precedent little mermaid it made a hundred million dollars or whatever the fuck and then so it's like of course pick the little mermaid one yeah but then you watch the movies and there's like nothing kind of interesting about them yeah because it's just like executives being like okay this is what you're making so make this but obviously you don't have the advantages of animation or like well yeah it's like that shit we watched the jeremy john's review for the new little mermaid movie and he was like yeah ariel's good in it because it's halle bailey yeah and like the relationship with eric is pretty good but then everything else around it is annoying yeah it's like (laughs) it's basically like the the good singer and actress is good at acting and singing, um, and like this other guy is good in the movie. But everything that the studio was a part of is bad, yeah. basically. Yeah, it's just like yeah, I don't know. I I feel like they'll eventually. Well, they're not gonna stop because they make money. People keep seeing yeah, them. This movie's gonna make a billion dollars. Yeah, man. I don't know. I just like. I feel like it's going to come to a point where, like, especially with the writer's strike, shit's going to start getting bad. Mm-hmm. And then people are going to realize that you need writers again. Well, that's like the they thing. did. Dude, before. I saw that Andor season two is, is pushing cont- through. Is pu- they're like, yeah, we're being heavily affected by the writer's strike, but we're pushing through anyway. And it's like, no, dude. The Do thing not. that made the first season good was that you actually had competent writers for the first fucking time. <laughs> like, don't. You had one of the best screenwriters alive working on the project. <laughs> yeah. Let's not just push through. Yeah, so I'm so scared that that's going to be bad. I hope what happens is that, like, Tony Gilroy comes back and all the writers come back and they're like, no, this is garbage. We have to do it again. And they convince the studio to just do it again. I mean, this shit might go on for like another six months. So, dude, I just, here's the thing. I'm fine with things starting to like suck because writers are striking. What I'm not okay with is it affecting the ones I like. <laughs> so like hurry up and because the th- they're not even asking for that much, dude. Well, the thing I think that's holding them up is when they said, um, can you give us like 
a guarantee about like some AI stuff. They were like, let's yeah. not let you use AI. Which and is then the smart for were them like, to do because they're jumping on it quick. We're saying no and there's no counter to this. Where it's like the studios really need to use AI. Because the thing that they're like eating off of, which is why they can't pay the writers, is because there were very little regulations for the internet because mm. they didn't know about the streaming thing. Like, how could you foresee the streaming thing? So now they're like, we need to get in front of this AI stuff. And the studio's like, well, if they got in front of the internet stuff, that this would have been bad for us. So we can't let them get in front of the AI stuff. Yeah. Which is just like so abysmal, man. Yeah. To be like, wait, you're asking for us not to replace you with a mindless, soulless, heartless tech? Yeah. It's going to kill movies. Far. And then I think there's going to be a way. There's going to be people that come up and then like make original movies that are like cheaper. Yeah. And well, like that's more the... inventive and stuff like that. While the yeah. studios devolve into hog shit because they're either using AI or just remaking all the shit. The thing that worries me is that you and I care about this a lot, but most people don't. Yeah, I think... that That's not me trying to be like, we're, we're like, No, better. I know what you mean. Like, I'm just saying, like... my parents be, like, opposed to... Because, like, people still watch Hallmark movies. People yeah. still watch shit horror movies. Yeah. Um... And, like, most of the movies that people are willing to go out and see are ones that are remakes of things they know they like. Yeah. Or, like, parts of franchises they know they but like. But, like, the MCU's kind of fallen apart, mm -hmm. even with Guardians doing bad. That Fast and Furious movie did well, but, like, everyone seems to not like it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is did, good. Did Guardians do bad? It didn't do bad, but it didn't do, like, I don't know if it's going to make a billion dollars. Which is kind of their bar. And I don't think one has made billion a billion dollars since like I don't even remember the last MCU movie. Spider Man. Oh, Spider Man. I was gonna say Endgame, but Spider Man's kind of the one outlier of the new batch. Let's see what Guardians of the Galaxy three has made. Oh wait, because I've made heard 600... good things. It's a like pretty decent movie. Um, I'm not see it in theaters, it's been though. it's made six hundred and thirty or seventy three million dollars, and it's been out since the start of May. We're coming up on a month. It's not going to make another three hundred million. Yeah. It'll probably top out around like seven fifty. I mean, that's still good. It's still good. It's great, but like it's less than the first one made. Yeah, and probably less than the second one made. Honestly, like I kind of like I liked Marvel. I still like a lot of the movies. The new ones I don't really care about. It's like I know we've I know superhero fatigue has been talked about for like f 15 fucking years. <laughs> but like I feel like it's like so many people I talk to are just like, yeah, it's like I'm not really interested anymore. Yeah. So like I feel like within the next 5-10 years it's kind of going to either have a rebirth in some way or just fall off completely, which I'd be fine with because I'd love to see some new stuff. <laughs> and I think that's might might be the case for like all the Wes Anderson stuff because he's making fairly cheap movies that are very original and very in his vision. Yeah, and like inventive. Way to bring it back. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think that's the thing I appreciate about this movie is like I don't love the script. There's some mm. things I don't like, but it is so incredible that this was made it's such an incredible piece of art yeah it's just one of those things where it's like i don't 
I'm just really glad it exists. Yeah. And, like, I I don't know if I'll watch it again, but, like, you've watched it a bunch of times. I mean, I've right? probably watched it, like, four times, five That's times. That's pretty good. Yeah. Don't discount yourself. I just mean, like, some people are like, this is my favorite movie. I watch it 17 times a year. Yeah, but year. those people are also kind of uninteresting. It's like when people find out that, like, I've only seen each of the Star Wars movies. Like, I've seen some more than others. But, like, there's some of the Star Wars movies I've seen, like, maybe, like, 12, 15 times in my life total. And is it's that like, max? Is that a lot or is that a little? I don't know. No, but, like, is 12, 15 times your low end or your high end? Like, probably, I'm saying that's probably, like, in the middle. The low end is probably, like, I mean, obviously newer ones I've seen less times. Yeah. But, like... Attack of the Clones. How many times have you seen that one? Attack of the Clones total, I'd probably... I mean, I, the thing is, like, I probably rewound that VHS as a kid a billion times. But, like, if I were to guess, an educated guess, I'd probably say I've watched Attack of the Clones probably, like, 11 times. That's psychotic. But like I've seen I've seen like Revenge of the Sith probably like 20 25 times. I don't know if I've ever seen a movie 25 times. Dude, it was just like all I watched as a kid. But I mean like <laughs> it makes sense why you like it. I have I don't think I've ever rewatched any movie 25 times. Really? Yeah. Even the Fast and Furious movies? I've seen maybe 5 times is the most I've seen one of them. Actually, well, the thing is, I don't know if I've watched Revenge of the Sith 25 times, but, like, I've definitely watched, like, enough for you to watch it 25 times, like, enough clips and stuff. Well, yeah, because, like, I, we had the, like, DVD with bonus features for Revenge of the Sith, and they had, like, hours of, like, featurettes and, like, mini docs and stuff like that on there. I watched that stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. Um... Like, I probably could quote the behind-the-scenes Revenge of the Stiff, Sith stuff as well as I can quote that's, Revenge of the Sith. That's insanity. Yeah. Who would you want Adam Driver to play? Um, My gut. My gut? If I'm throwing out my gut here. Throw it out. I'm throwing my gut out. Take your gut out. Put it on the table. Um, I don't know. Maybe, like... I was thinking Chief. You were thinking Chief? I just I, I think I just like Brian Cranston. What's this guy's name? The the dog that like with the sports jersey? No no, the dog that has like half of his face Oh, his or, name's like Gondo or something. Gond Gonzo? I think his name is Gonzo. I can barely read it. Blango? On this, on this here thing. Let me figure it out. I can Google. But like he's he's the cannibal dog that like takes in spots. He's not and, like, cannibals. I know. They're well they ate one dog. Um, but they Gondo Gondo he's the one that's kind of like uh, so you heard that rumor or whatever yeah and he's basically like tells the story of all the dogs that are in the like old experimentation lab I feel like he'd be good in that one I don't know I've or just like one of the four other dogs like boss yeah I just, just don't think I'd put him in spots or chief. Wow. Or like Jupiter. I don't know. What about uh, Mayor Kobayashi? <laughs> Bad idea, I think. <laughs> um, 
And where where are we ranking this one? Well, I just remembered there was one character I want to mention that we haven't mentioned okay. thus far, and it's the little hacker kid. Oh yeah, <laughs> I forgot about him until the very end. Not sure he even has a line, but he he pops up on Garbage Island to like steal the black box from Atari's plane. Mm-hmm. He like shows up at a protest on the TV. Where he's like in a, he just like is everywhere. He's not supposed to be to like gather evidence for their like their case, and I just think he's really. I I just yeah, like. And then character. at the end, he's like in the booth and hacks into all the like tech and shit. <laughs> yeah, because the 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 major domo, even though Mayor Kobayashi's like, I'm repealing my decision to like kill all the dogs, basically. Major Domo um, still pushes the button. He still pushes the button. We see like the circuit go all the way through, but then they all just shut down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we see we see the little hacker kid turn around towards the camera and give a little thumbs up. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. I like that character. All right, where are we ranking this is is the question indeed. I think it's a middle of the pack one. Okay. Let me try and pull it up here. Oh, also I'll I'll mention this just because we did do Spirited Away this month, but I don't know if this really even means much, uh, but it was Wes Anderson did say that this movie was heavily inspired by Akira Kurosawa, Kurosawa, sorry, Akira Kurosawa and Hayao Miyazaki, and Miyazaki did Spirit. I could see that. There's like a little bit of that in there. It does feel feel a little bit like it's a movie about Japan. I'm inspired by the Japanese filmmakers. It's just like a little bit. Anyway, Um, do you have the list up? Yeah. Why don't you start, and then I'll, I'll, because I still need to think about where I want to put it. I feel like this is in the turning red zone. Turning red zone. Yeah. I don't know if it's above or below turning red. I'd say, I do really like turning red. I'd probably put it just above turning red, just because of the nature of what. You think it's a more impressive, like product feat to make sort yeah of thing. i think that just in general i like this movie more than apollo or not, i mean more than apollo 13 but more than turning red turning red is like a beautifully animated film and it's like a fun story mm-hmm. but i feel like this is like i don't know this feels like i'm sitting down for an experience i guess sure so yeah. um but i understand not wanting to put it above fast five so <laughs> i mean we're gonna move fa- here's the thing I'm going to operate under the assumption that Fast Five's probably going to be moved up a, at least a little bit at some point. But, like, do I like this movie better than Kimmy? I probably do, but I don't know if you would. I think it's, like, the tier thing, like, we talked about, where it's, like, it's kind of in the same tier as all that. Yeah. But, like, where are we placing it is my thing. Because I, I, I would... Think just above Turning Red. Okay, because I would put it just above Kimmy. But I... Yeah... I mean, I like this less than Fast Five. Yeah, dude, we really <laughs> should like have just moved Fast Five up because that's been our struggle with a lot of these. It feels just like so weird, like because it. I feel like it defeats the purpose of doing the reshuffles if we reshuffle not in a reshuffle. I but know, also, but... I feel like Fast Five being there is gonna fuck up our rankings <laughs> for like the rest of the. Do you, you know what, should we just make an executive decision here? Should we move Fast Five? Can Where would you move? trade it? Fast Five and Police Story? Uh, 
I guess I did say that before. Would you be open to that? My thing is like, because where would you put it with no compromise? On my personal list? Yeah. No it's com- a top five. Okay. So then, yeah, maybe. Because I would put it probably below screen. Like, I'd probably put it around about time. Yeah. So, like, I feel like SWAT police story and Fast Five is yeah. is not egregious. And then I'm okay with putting this above Kimmy. Okay. So here, wh- let me just do this real quick. Fast Five is moving from 17 to 12. Big jump. Big jump. Um, and Police Story is moving from... 12 to 17. From 12 to 17. Sorry, Jackie. I-, I really hope that I don't watch Police Story again and go, why the fuck did we move that down? That's incredible. I do really like the movie. Yeah. But I do feel like there just something about those rankings there were just a little strange. Yeah. Um, so now Fast Five at 12... Police story at 17. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to put Isle of Dogs below John Wick. Just below John Wick and above Kimmy. There we go. Uh, And now we've got 28 movies on the list. I I honestly feel like having Fast Five up a bit will make it easier for us to rank. It's going to open us up to so many new experiences. Because I think you were having with Fast Five what I was having with Harry Potter for a little bit, where it was like. I like this movie better than most, or not with Harry Potter, maybe it's something else, but where it's like, I like this movie better than a lot of these, yeah, better than a lot of these movies, but not as much as these movies, so it gets a little complicated, Mm -hmm. that's why we compromise. I'm fine with moving Fast Five up, because I didn't realize it was like, so high on your list, (laughs) I feel like maybe you didn't fight hard enough for it in the episode, maybe I have to listen to that episode again. I didn't really fight very hard for it, I probably should have. But I was like, Adam's not going to like this. <laughs> it's not I, his kind of movie. I don't not like the movie. I think it just doesn't hit. It, it's basically... Well, you haven't. You didn't watch all of the Fast and Furiouses within a week like I did. Yeah. And also... Before Fast 10, and then I wanted to kill myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then, like... I mean, I did watch all of the Star Wars movies before seeing all of the new ones each time. Yeah, so you watched so, them like, for your 33rd, 39th, <laughs> for 48th time? Yeah. But, um... I feel like Fast Five is like your philosopher's stone, where it's like, it's good, but like you all, it you also like. I mean, it's like one of the best. Act, it. It's one of the best action movies of the century. Yeah, and like, have you seen anyone better than Rupert Grint in that movie? She has got to sort out her priorities. That's good. All right, so I'm gonna summarize this whole section of the list since it's all kind of in the same area. So. West side, just out of the top 10, mm-hmm. number 11 through... You can just go to 20. Sure. Number 11 through 20 is West Side Story, Fast Five, Marriage... Nope. <laughs> Let me start again. West Side Story, Fast Five, Scream, About Time, John Wick, Isle of Dogs, Kimmy, Police Story, Turning Red, Apollo 13. There's no rules. There's no rules here. I feel like we should... I should make a note. Maybe I'll make a note in this list that, like, whenever we do another reshuffle episode, we should mention that we did this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's worth mentioning. Maybe. Um, But by that point... Everyone's going to know we're going to have a thousand fans 
a thousand people a day are going to be listening to our podcast, which so I guess true. isn't really that many. So true. If All right. With the big pods. So Isle of Dogs currently at number 16 out of 28 on this list. That's pretty good. I, I'm like, that feels satisfying because this is a movie I like a lot, but I also have a lot of problems with as we discussed. But uh, this feels pretty, pretty good, pretty balanced. Exciting. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Screen Share a Movie Podcast. Hope you're enjoying uh, these epies. If you are, we don't ask this often, but we do once in a while. Feel free to drop a little bit of a review, maybe a like. I don't know what the systems are on all these platforms. There's but- a follow on Spotify. You can do a star review. You can do a starring written review on Apple. Yeah. And I don't know about those other fucking third party yeah. fucking podcast apps and if you really like this podcast i'm not asking you to share it on your social media ruin your digital footprint but if you want to tell your friends and family about it i wouldn't i wouldn't tell them i don't swear tell them i don't swear yeah make sure to tell them we are a family friendly podcast we don't say come we don't say fuck piss shit that's about it And on that note, we'll catch you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. Hope you find your dad. Hope you find your dad. Hope you find your your purpose.